This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. This is Chris Grasso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast on the Be Here Now Network. My guest today is Ambika. Um, Ambika, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks. So uh, as always in my show, I like to read my guest bios uh, really quick, just uh, for anyone who's not familiar with uh, you or your work. And then we're going to have a lovely, fun, engaging chat about all things Kirtan and um, Neem Karoli Baba and who else knows what's going to come up. But before we get to all that, um, Ambika has discovered, or I'm sorry, has been a singer and musician for most of her life, playing in various bands in New York City until she discovered chanting with Krishna Das in 1995. Kirtan had a profound effect on her and led her to Indian, in, Indian, India, where she met her teacher and spiritual mother, Sri Siddhi Ma. As Ambika deepened her connection to the practice of chanting, it became her home and refuge. Recently, she has been exploring chants from other faith traditions, working with a program at the Cathedral of St. John the Divine. In February of 2015, Ambika released a digital single, Meta Chant, produced and recorded by Devadas uh, L-A-B- Labrec. Labrec. <laughs> yeah. I'm totally butchering Crunch. this intro, but the thing is, whatever comes up, comes out. I don't edit it. So this it's is real totally life. Totally right fine. <laughs> so her first full length album, Mother's Calling, produced by our dear mutual friend Lily Cushman is now available on Montrology, who another dear friend, uh, Kylie Lolita, uh-huh. absolutely mm. love her. And so, yeah, she's such a sweetie. Um, oh my so for more, um, please visit www. I'll spell this for listeners. A M like Mary, B like boy, I K A C like Charles, H A N like Nancy, T like Thomas dot com. Or if you're checking this out on the Be Here Now Network, please just scroll down a little bit and you will see the website linked. It's just a click away. And all of that said, Ambika, thank you. Or Ambika. So <laughs> you for, did it. No, that was perfect. Was it good? For <laughs> listeners, I've been talking to Ambika for like five minutes before the recording. Wait, how do I pronounce your name? So I'm doing my best. <laughs> thank you for bearing with me. I appreciate it. You're doing great. Well, thank you. So, yeah, so I'm really jazzed to have you on the show. Um, As we were discussing before, um, I'm, of course, familiar with your name. We've never talked before. 
Um, <laughs> we somewhat connected several years ago as you were working with Sharon Salzberg and you were helping <laughs> me coordinate an interview with her for my website. Um, and I, you know, I could just tell even through email, you're always very lovely and cordial. And here we are kind of crossing paths again several years later. Um, you have this absolutely beautiful, beautiful Kirtan album out. Um, so, I mean, this conversation, it, it can go in a number of different directions. I'm excited to see where it goes. So maybe all of that said, before we jump into the album, um, I guess since we've talked a little about Sharon, do you want to mm -hmm. maybe take me back, even pre-Sharon, and tell me mm -hmm. a little bit about what actually in the first place um, guided your path onto that of spirituality? What was it that, mm -hmm. you know, sparked your interest? And then maybe talk or walk me in the audience through a little bit of that and mm -hmm. then into working with Sharon and then moving on mm -hmm. from there into what you're doing today. All righty. I know um, it's a lot of ground to cover, <laughs> so I'll jump in at some point. But yeah, just, <laughs> just stop me. Wait, yeah, like here 40 we... <laughs> minutes later, <laughs> four hours later, and uh, then. I, I love I it. You'll dead. you'll make my job in podcast very easy. So, no. <laughs> yeah, so um, whatever uh, whatever comes up for you out of that very vague question. No, it's great. Um, and and I actually always love to hear people's stories. And I always ask, you know, how did you? Yeah. You know, when I'm at the ashram in India, like how how did you end up here? Like, Same, what's right. your story? So I love people's stories. So I'm happy to tell mine. Excellent. Thank um, because it helps us all connect to each other um so I I want to say I was always a seeker like even as a child like I had this kind of longing but my family wasn't religious in any way and so I didn't really have a place to I didn't have a container for that longing that I understood um and you know I I hit on it momentarily in places like I read Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat like before it was a play, Broadway show and whatever it became, it was a book and I fell in love with it. And I felt that like stirring of like, I want this so badly. Mm -hmm. um, and I tried to go to Sunday school, actually. I did go to Sunday school, like Hebrew school, you know, because wow. my dad's Jewish. And uh, for like twice. And I was like, this is nothing like that book. This is terrible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's boring and horrible. And so, I mean, I, you know, I'm sure other Sunday schools are great, but that one it just didn't match up. Sure. And, um, and then I, I, when I was, I like to say my first Kirtan experience was I was in gospel chorus when I was uh, a teenager. I went to music and art high school here in New York city. And, um, they, they had this amazing gospel chorus that was completely run by the students. It had a student director, student composers, um, and it was pretty much all African-American and uh, Baptist, mm -hmm. like devout Baptist people. So I was really, I was a like white Jewish punk rock kid. I didn't belong in that chorus in any kind of way, except that it was, a except that I wanted to be there and it was a public school and it was an elective and they couldn't say no, you know? Right. So um, it was one of the most profound experiences I've ever had being singing in that devotional way with those really devoted young people. It was just unbelievable, the energy. And I, but at that time, you know, I couldn't really make the leap to like, believe I just, it was too big of a leap for me to like, think I could be Christian and Baptist and believe in G like, I just didn't have that that capacity at that time to make a leap, even though I felt the the spirit when I was with them, right? Yeah. So here, oh, I'm, this is me jumping in as promised, Good. because Good. 
I, I definitely want to continue on, but I would, of course, be quite remiss, as you know, my my uh, inner bells and radar went off when I hear punk rock, um, mm. <laughs> because, of course, you know, I am very yeah. punk rock, and we already mentioned yeah. Kylie, yeah. Um, and for yeah. those who yeah. don't know, yeah. uh, Kylie Lolita and her husband, Steve Reddy, um, who own Montrology, um, I, it's funny, um, Kate's a dear friend today. Um, mm. But I remember seeing her back in the early yeah. 90s uh, doing Project Kate, her solo acoustic yeah. stuff. And yeah. so they ran this really incredible record label, Equal Vision Records, put out a lot of my favorite right. punk and hardcore bands. So is that so you mentioned punk. Is that part of um, were you into stuff like that or what was your punk rock um, surroundings? What did that look like? What bands were you into in, in that mm. part of your life? Yeah, so mine was a little different. I wasn't as much into hardcore, and I, I did a little dabble in it, but yeah. mostly it was like the early punk, like the Sex Pistols and Susie and the Banshees. And yeah. Nina Nina Hagen, who, by the way, put out like an amazing Kirtan album, and if you haven't heard it, you should you should go find I it and listen to it. So I'm jotting it's it down. It's so Thank you. good, because <laughs> I loved her. Awesome. saw her all the time. I saw like the Cramps. Um, I saw uh, the Buzzcocks. I saw oh, yeah. the Undertones. I saw. Um, I loved all these bands. Stiff Little Fingers was one of my favorites. Very um, cool. Yeah. So that was. It was more that. It's a little di- right. So I did yes. see the Bad Brains were like the hardcore band around town. Um, yep. That I used to go see, and I saw the Dead Kennedys. They came around, and right. I saw the. I loved the Clash. I used to see the Clash a lot. Awesome. Um, so a little more classic punk rock, yeah, and uh, like I uh, dabbled in hardcore. I want to say, but not as much. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for help. I always love going down memory lane with that stuff. So I don't yeah. often get to talk about it on the show. Yeah. So right. <laughs> thank you for um, for entertaining me there. But okay. So back to where you were. Um, yeah, no, but anyway, but that was also like, you know, as a, as like a person who like the music when I, the way I was, the way it was when I grew up, like music was kind of my religion. Right. So at that time, like the bands I saw, it was like, I was fervently devoted to them, you know? So again, there was something there, you know? Um, but it just, at a certain time I had a lot, so I was a singer and I, I had this band and that band and I loved it. Um, but I think it was, it was in the nineties and I had a band, um, and I wasn't, I, I, something had shifted for me and I started to go to Jiva Mukti for yoga to Mm. take yoga. And I came to yoga, but like many do because of, um, like an ailment, right? Because I had, you know, asthma and I was trying to, like people said, you know, that's what you should do. Um, and it was you know, this was the 90s, so it wasn't nearly, there weren't as many places, but Jiva Mukti was around, um, and they were in the East Village, and they were like the hipster, pre-hipster place to go. It was like where all the rock and roll folks went, and yeah. um, the edgy artists went, and um, I fit right in there and felt really at home there. But the thing about them was that they very much, you know, prior to that, yoga was kind of taught mostly as like a stretching exercise mm-hmm. here. Um, there wasn't a whole lot, or you were like, had to join like an ashram, you know, there wasn't a lot of in between. And so they were really great about bridging that. And they really brought the spiritual teachings and in a way that really resonated with me. So, and then Krishnadas was, um, just starting to chant out with people, Mm. um, at that time. And he was there every Monday night and it was just like a few people. And 
when I heard him chant, like they started, they chanted in the classes there and they had Sanskrit classes and I took Sanskrit with my teacher, Minorama, mm. who is actually on the album singing with me this one uh, prayer that she taught me. It was just really fabulous. And I love the chanting. I really resonated with it. But when he sang, it was just like when he chanted, it was something other. It was like that feeling I felt in gospel chorus. Like yeah. it was that same. I just, I felt like I'd come home and I couldn't, you know, as many people do when they start chanting, you know, you just cry. You don't know why you're crying. You don't know what you're doing here. You don't know what you're singing. There were no chant sheets then. Like, you know, you're just like mumbling through it, but yeah. um, <laughs> like you're doing your best, but there's something so resonant in the practice. And it, it really struck such a deep chord that that, that and the yoga really started to shift things for me. And I really started to seek more actively. And I went to, ashrams and I met other gurus and I met Sharon early on Sharon Salzberg because she's a good friend of Krishnas's and he brought her to Jiva Mukti um, and I remember that to teach and she gave she did some metta practice with us yeah. um, and then once I became I became friends with him and he said you know you should really go he 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 told Nina and I we should go take do a loving kindness retreat at IMS the Insight Meditation Society, and it wasn't Sharon's retreat. I think either the timing or hers was sold out or whatever it was. Yeah. We went to someone else's. Um, we just went for whatever meta retreat was happening at that moment. And um, Nina and I were friends, but we really became close on that retreat because, as you know, with those kind of retreats, it's silent, but it's so profound. And, yeah. and for the audience, um, we're talking about Nina Rao, correct? Nina Rao, yes. Yes, Sorry, perfect. No, no, just, yes, just for clarity. Yeah, thank you <laughs> thank very you. much. Yeah. yeah. Who's another that. absolutely lovely Kirtan musician and plays yes. with Katie all the time. Um, yes. So, okay, thank you, thank you. So we went on that retreat, and that that practice really shifted me. I mean, it is a really heart opening practice. Um, and then not long after that, we, from that, from that experience, we became very close and we, it was even actually on the bus home. We took the bus up there from New York and on the wow. bus back, we were like, let's go to India. <laughs> and now she's Indian. So, but we were like, let's go to Kenchi to, to the temple, to Neem Karoli Baba's ashram. And, yeah. and I had a whole trip, I had a whole trip planned. I went for six months. I had a whole, you know, trip planned. And and before that, I had, because of all the chanting and practice I was doing and exploration, I was just like, my life was shifting in such a way that I, I was sort of falling apart a little, like in a good way, but my functionality was way down. In my sure. life. I was having dreams with saints in them and I, you know, and I didn't know what was happening. And I actually called Krishnas and I was like, I just, can we talk? Can we meet and talk? Like, I don't know what's going on, but I think maybe you do. Yeah. And he was like, sure. And so we met in this Starbucks. He used to have a place in the city, a little apartment on the east side, upper east side. And we met in a Starbucks near him. And the moment we, like, I opened my mouth, I just started bawling, you know, and he was like, okay, maybe, maybe we go somewhere like <laughs> quiet and not public. <laughs> it was really, right. he was so sweet. Cause I was just a basket case. You yeah, know? Yeah. And, um, and, and then we went to his place and we sat like in front of, he has this puja, like this beautiful puja. And, you know, we just sat quietly for the longest time. And then he, I don't even remember what we, what he said, honestly, except that he showed me a picture of Sidima. And he said, if you ever want to meet a real saint, you should go see her. And that, I, I never, I, that really also struck me quite deeply, even though at that moment I was just like, okay, um, 
but it stayed with me. And so I wanted to go to Kenchi and go to Neem Karoli Baba's ashram. I wanted to meet her. But I had a lot of other plans on that trip. I was able to go for six months, which was like a huge boon, I want to say. Um, And I had been chanting with Krishnas and chanting on my own at that point a bit, um, leading chanting at Jivamukti and a couple other places. Um, But I went to India and when I met Sidima, and just when I walked into the ashram, it just felt that was like home times thousands, you know, Um, and meeting her was like, I'd met other saints and had like really beautiful experiences, but that was just something other, you know, it's like the deepest kind of falling in love that I've ever experienced and the most lasting. Yeah. Um, That's absolutely beautiful. Wow. So what, what, um, so you, you meet City Ma, can you, can you talk a little more about that experience? I mean, I know, how do you really put that into words? Cause mm. it's kind of that mm. indescribable sensation and experience. Um, but maybe if, if you can talk a little bit about, so, so you meet this incredible person, um, how does your life change? Where do you go from there? What, you know, how, how do things mm-hmm. kind of unfold from that point for you? So I, I, um, you know, I didn't really ever, once I met her, I just wanted, like, everything else went out the window. Like, right. I just didn't care about anything else other than being near her. And she gave Nina and I the seva, which means service, right? Um, yes. Of, like, we used to sit with the kirtanwalas there. So they have these guys who sing um, just the Maha Mantra, just Hare Krishna, Hare Ram, all day from 5 a.m. till 10 p.m. Wow, yeah. And Krishnas has talked a lot about the, them and sitting with them. And so you go, they, they, in this little temple, there's just three guys and they rotate, you know, they have like a crew mm. that rotates. Um, so it's not just three guys for all that all whole time. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so they get to like eat and do things, <laughs> take breaks. Right. So, um, so they have like three hour shifts. So um, we just wanted to sit with them the entire day. And so uh, Sidima just said, you know, and there were people at the ashram, because this is always the way it is. There's always going to be people in any organization that tell you what to do or that why you're doing something wrong. Like, that's yeah. just right. You go anywhere and that's what happens. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, and um, so there were other people like, we shouldn't, we should be doing this or that, or why are we in here all day? Or I don't know. But she said, you know, no, you love it. Um, this is your seva. You should sit with them as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty great. Um, and meeting her... So we did that um, and we're chanting as much as we could and meeting her. I mean, it's just hard. It's, it is hard to describe in words because she's this, she's a person in a body or she left her body last year, but she was, you know, this older woman. um, But her presence was just so vast and so loving and, generous and she really just and she was very practical I love that about her you know she would just talk to you about practical things sometimes Mm -hmm. um you know and it wasn't all like always you know it was really interesting mix of like being very motherly and practical and nurturing and and then talking about the teachings um and about Maharaji and for her everything was she didn't want pictures of herself she didn't want anybody taking pictures of her or talking about her as their guru was always Neem Karoli Baba Maharaji. Like everything for her was him. And she took care of all his ashrams. Um, And 
you know, that was kind of interesting too, because it meant like pictures like were like kind of contraband. They were like secret and you like people would like pass them around of her and you're really lucky if you could get a picture. <laughs> and then there was always a play of like trying to take her picture and if she would say yes to you or no, or like there's like, or if oh, he yeah. snuck it or like, there was just like, like, like with Maharaji, there's just like a lot of, there was a lot of play like that. It was, sure. it was really fun. Yeah. We're, you know, we're talking a lot about KD and, and Bhakti and Kirtan mm-hmm. and, and chanting so let's say someone's listening and they're really actually not familiar with with kirtan or chanting. Mm-hmm. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about yeah. what chanting is? And I'll preface that by saying this and I'll, just to share very briefly an experience I had because we were talking earlier about punk rock. And um, so for me, I was like 13 or 14 and I will never forget the first time a friend put on a seven inch and the the feeling <laughs> that came through me really yeah, that right. raw yeah. like passion it just it cut yeah. through like the core of my being and I fell in love instantaneously and yeah. I share that because I did not have that experience again until well over 10 years after the mm. first time and I don't remember which album specifically it was but I had taken out a Krishna Das record out of my local mm-hmm. library or mm-hmm. a CD um And yeah, I I don't remember which one, but what I do remember is hitting play and instantaneously, and it was my first time actually hearing Kirtan music, I I had the same exact experience with that as I did the first time with punk rock. And, you know, Mm. two completely ends Mm. of the musical spectrum, Mm -hmm. but it cut right to the core of my being. And absolutely, I welled up, tears came out. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what, you know, he was singing. (laughs) I didn't know what, you know, I didn't know anything except it was uh, it was completely real so all that said um Mm. yes can you talk a bit about what chanting is and and kirtan and bhakti for those who aren't actually familiar with the the practice and the music itself yeah um so um you know the the traditional like i'll go from the traditional and then i'll go to like how i experience it too which awesome. is i love the way you talked about the way you you experience it cuz i really that resonates with me Thanks. um and um i so traditionally it's it's uh your it's the repetition of the name and this is the divine name and these names are thousands of years old so they're the names of gods and goddesses in India, you know, like Ram, Krishna, Sita, Radha, um, you know, you talk, Durga, you can chant to the different deities. But um, they are said to have a power unto themselves, like the actual vibration of these names. And so you're and I, I like to say always like you, like it's been my direct experience that that's true. Yeah. But I don't. You know, I don't go out preaching that. I'm just, you know, in that Buddhist way of like, check it out for yourself, because <laughs> the Buddha said that exactly. Yeah, seriously, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's the basic gist, right? Right, totally. Don't believe right. me? Check it out for yourself. So, I, you know, my direct experience has been that that's true. That I find the vibration, the the power in the chanting of the name, that repetition to really go quite deep and take me to a very different place than I was when I began. And I want to say all music that's authentic or that, that you authentically connect with has that power to a certain extent, right? Right. Like 
it really will take you to a different place. Great music does that. Um, yes. That's why we love listening to it. But there's another element here that's um, more so. So um, not more direct, but just a different level. So because this is a spiritual practice. And so music often... Um, these days, especially for us in the West, is a performance, right? We go and somebody's performing, and it can be quite deep and beautiful, but there's still this element of separation. The chanting is like a practice that we all do together. So it's a spiritual practice. It's a, we all sing this together. So it's like gospel or singing in your church, if you know if anybody who sang in a church, or there's a tradition, the Judaism has a tradition of singing. Like most religions have a tradition of this kind of spiritual gathering together and raising your voices. And I think that that's part of the power of it because mm -hmm. it's meant, it's a call and response, the Kirtan tradition, right? So the leader calls out and then everybody else responds. And there's just, I have to say, like, I, I have, since I started singing Kirtan, I, I've done a little other kind of singing, which I hadn't done in years. I used to be in bands and performing all the time. But when I do other kinds of singing now, I really miss the response. Like it feels not quite right to me mm. because it's the response that I love the most. That's just, there's nothing like it. It's that call and response is really quite rich and deep and brings everybody together and connects us all. Um, so that's part of the tradition of Kirtan. And Bhakti is the path of devotion in the Hindu tradition. Right. And so that's that, it's like, it's like the experience I had when I met Siddhima. It's like you fall in love. It's quite passionate. You know, it's really lovely because it's this way of worshiping God and the divine that's very romantic, you know. So there's yeah. like the, you know, the stories of Krishna and the gopis. Um, Kaylee tells them the best, I have yeah. to say, yeah. of anybody talking. If you want to hear like Bhakti told well, ask Kaylee. Yeah. You should have her on the show and make her tell stories. I have had her on. Talk yep. about good because oh, yeah, yeah. she's like she's my favorite. I'm yeah. talking about bhakti. And, have you heard, um, not to cut you off, but um, also mm -hmm. Raghunath, who, um, Ray Capo, oh, yeah. he, um, I don't know if you've had the, the opportunity to see him, but he is a great sharer of these stories as well. Very entertaining. Yeah, I, I know of him. I haven't actually um, sat with him, though, and heard his stories. So that's cool. Well, but if I you know ever get the chance. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> cool. So carry on, please. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but. You know, so so that's the basic gist is that bhakti is really like this. It's a spiritual practice of devoting yourself to the deities or to um, I mean, in the bhakti tradition, you really are sort of devoting yourself to the actual deities. But um, and for me with Siddhima, that came kind of naturally, like I just fell in love with her. So there was no feeling of like, how do I devote myself? Like I just fell into it. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to be with her and be around her and um, do whatever I could for her. But mostly it was, I mean, it was pretty selfish too, I want to say, with Sidima. I always just wanted to be near her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, just, just like a moment. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. Like you do with a, like someone you're in love with like yeah. that. I mean, you, you you hear that story time and again with Maharaja, you know, like yeah. especially Ram Das talks about it all the yeah. time and and many people who had the privilege of uh, getting to know him. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, and KK, one of his great devotees, yes. you know, KK Shah, right? Yeah. So he's a, I'm friends with KK and KK when I like, I, I love him so much. And, yeah. and, um, he would say when I was like, yeah, I'm just selfish. I just wanted, and he's like, no, 
that's <laughs> not that or he was like that's the good kind of selfish that's the kind of selfish you should be like oh, he was always yeah. like that's the right way and it's not really selfish and it's true it's a funny thing because you it feels a little like that selfishness yeah. but there is this bigger other level to it because you're really you're really aspiring to something greater right yeah. you're really trying to sort of connect with that whole with the divine with the absolute with the with the power of love yeah um, and th you know i i'm glad you say that because i experienced this and a lot of people i have talked to throughout the years have also shared in regards to meditation how they almost feel like that's selfish like yeah. you mean i'm going right. to take time for myself right. five ten right. twenty minutes and right. sit there when i could be doing something in the world but you just right. nailed it like yes you are but it's a good selfish like you are you're connecting with your truer self your higher self your deeper being let alone like the physical benefits which are great in and of themselves mm -hmm. and that just makes you makes you a healthier person in the world but yeah connecting with that deeper source within you it's it, i wish everybody took even just five minutes a day to do that you know what what a difference that would really make in this world but yeah, it's a really good thing. So I'm glad you, you brought that up. It's funny because um, actually, Sidima, I remember her saying this to my ex-husband. We were together and I can't remember what he said to her, but she was like, her response was, um, you know, you people, like, you all spend so much, you waste your time, like, mm. going around and doing this and that. And you don't even take five minutes to do what's real. Oh, yeah. That's, I loved that. She was like, to do what's real. Because yeah. we often think of spiritual practice as not real and the world is real, but she totally flipped that. And I think she's right. Yeah. You know, like, I have to say, the more I do practice, the better my life becomes. It changes my perspective. It, it shifts everything. You know, I was so, you know, like you, I don't know what would have become of me if I hadn't found this path. Like I, my life would have been sad and empty. And I, I just, I feel so grateful to have this because, you know, things go wrong as we know, right? A yeah. lot of stuff happens in life. There's a lot of pain and suffering in life, right? Absolutely. But this is like the anchor. This is like the, it's my refuge. This is the refuge. And yeah. without it, I don't know how I would navigate this world. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know? You know, absolutely. And, and as you're saying that, it reminds me of, uh, I, I was on uh, Katie's um, Pilgrim Heart podcast a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And I forgot how this came up, but, you know, he just made this really, really wonderful point about how, Oh, I think I was talking to him, you know, because he had had his own experience with drug abuse, you know, many, many years ago. Yep. And, um, you know, he, he doesn't shy away from that at all. And no. I was asking him, you know, why do you think people turn to drugs? And even when they know better and, you know, he talked about, how, well, look at this, you know, we're in this rock hurtling through space. You know, it's like it's so hard to find any source of grounding. And then, yeah. you know, there are the, the rare few of us that are blessed to have some sort of spiritual um, context, spiritual connection, spiritual practice that doesn't, you know, magically fix everything, but at least helps give us some semblance of grounding. And of course, mm. you know, that's not verbatim, but, you know, he's saying something to that effect. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, like how lucky we are to have that in our lives. Because um, there are so many people that just go through life on autopilot that will never 
have um, any experience of that or any connection. And, um, you know, some people, I guess, I was going to say maybe don't need it. I don't know that that's the right wording, but, you know, maybe they're just not called to it and they do fine um, with whatever else works for them. And that's that's great. You know, whatever whatever works for you, as long as you're not hurting someone else, God bless. But yeah. I'm grateful <laughs> for me, you know, and, and my, yeah. my connection yeah. with that for sure. But so... You know, I definitely want to talk to you about, um, and I think we've we've had a wonderful conversation leading up to this. But your album "Mother's Calling," mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. Uh, as mentioned, Montrology, an absolutely wonderful label, um, mm-hmm. has put out. It was produced by Lily Cushman, again a mm-hmm. dear friend, um, a dear friend of and a member of the Satsang. So, can you tell me a bit about this record? You know, the the process mm-hmm. and inspiration for it the recording, working with Lily, you know, just anything you'd love to share about, about this record. Sure. Um, I, I, um, I mean, I should say that, you know, so I started to record, uh, I had been meaning to record an album for years. I like started like 12, 13 years ago recording with John McDowell and then, but I was pregnant with my son, Mm. uh, my second child. And I was just deluded thinking that I could continue it, you know, after (laughs) I had him and then life happened and all kinds of, I was flailing around. Um, and then also I, I realized, you know, I had a lot of resistance to putting my work out there because I'd been a performer for so long and been in bands and, and just because of my particular personality and karma, I, I had a lot of resistance to putting it to, to sort of releasing the music and not having it be kind of a private thing. Right. Yeah. It, it messed with my head a little um, because that, you know, so many. So for so many years, I really wanted name and fame and, and I've struggled with that. Like there's a part of me that wants it and there's a part of me that wants to be a sadhu and a hermit and go be in a cave, you know. Sure. Yeah. Um, so. So it's been an interesting push pull. So it really took a lot. And um, when I was finally ready again, I I asked Lily, and I'm so glad I did because Lily, I mean, she's an amazing producer. I had listened to her. She has an album. Do you know this? She has an album, yeah. a solo album. She did. Have you have you ever listened? Has she let you listen to it? I don't know. No, I know of it, but I've not heard it. Uh, I've heard really her time, but I will right. now you that I know. You should her to like, uh, this is my thing. I'm like, everybody ask her to ask to listen to that. It's really good. Oh, believe It's beautiful. Me. Yes, it's now on my to-do list once good. we finish this good. conversation. <laughs> um, so I listened to that. Uh, she let, she sent that to me like, you know, when we were becoming friends, she was like, hey, and she had this band. And I was like, oh, and it was all, she'd self-produced, right? So I was like, okay. Um, and then there was, I already knew I wanted it to be all women, um, singing responses. Um, and that was because, so the, and the title was already with me and the title was mother's calling is refers to, um, when you're in the temple in the days with Siddhima, when she was in the body, when you were being called to go see her, Mm. they would come to you and say mother's calling. Right. Yeah. And it was like the thing you wanted to hear. If you were me, it was like, there couldn't be a better phrase. Yeah. Still, I still would run and jump. I would go anywhere if somebody said that to me. Mm. <laughs> like right now. So now, now I know if I ever <laughs> meet you. Leave my children in the lurch. That would be it. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> um, so, um, so, and I wanted it to be women. Um, I'd had that idea early on. It came to me because the, the, and KD has talked a lot about this, about singing with the Ma's, they call it the older women devotees, yes. or just women devotees, really, and mothers, um, 
in India, um, this term, you know, you say ma, right? And um, that satsang of singing with the women that I would do in India um, really was very special and potent for me. Mm. Um, and so I wanted to sort of recreate that on the album a little bit, like that particular satsang um, of singing with women. And then, and Lily really loved the idea. And so, um, and then we actually, she and I had a lot of obstacles come up in our lives during, you know, we started five years ago or so when I asked her and then, you know, both our marriages uh, ended during the time when we were recording the yeah. albums and, and our friendship became very deep, uh, during that time. Um, we became so close and each other's supports through the really hard times. Yeah. Um, so it was a really interesting thing that this album is also like a bit the story of our friendship, you know, yeah. um, as it is like an offering for me, it's an offering to Sidima. It was always meant to be that because she always asked me to sing for her, you know, from early on to those early days with Nina to the, like that six months I was in India, she, she would ask me to sing. Like she gave me a schedule, you know, you have to like, but when it was other temples where there weren't Kirtan Wallas, it was my job yeah. to like sing in front of Maharaji's Murti, right? Yeah. In front of his, um, so it, it, it felt really important to me to like, you know, when she gave me the name, um, because she gave me the name that first trip, and when she gave it to me, she said, this is a name, this is not a name for wasting time and going here and there and doing this and that. This is a name for singing to God. Mm. That's and beautiful. so, yeah, so I tried to like, I really try to live that as much as I can. Like, so it did feel important to release a, like an album and to, to because it's, what it's doing is I'm singing more, right? So yeah. I'm like, I'm going out more and I'm singing more with people now that the album's out, which is really good for me, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And so that was sort of like, that's all the sort of the, um, the spirit of the album is there. And then with Lily, the recording, you know, the friendship, the recording process, we work with Kevin Riley. So um, he's so great, Kevin. Um, he does sound for Katie and um, he was really great. He has a studio up in... Um, Nyack and we would go up there a lot and do a lot of stuff with him and he's amazing and has great equipment and we just had like a lot of fun the three of us got really stupid and silly together because <laughs> there were a lot of long hours of a lot of like I have so many ridiculous videos and pictures it's great oh yeah I know how it goes <laughs> like, I'm sure you do so yeah. um so even though it took a while it was a pretty great process and then Lily really had because she thinks like a producer she really had um she came up with things that I just never would have thought of. Like she thought of like sort of the spoken word um, sort of being sampled in across the album, which I really loved. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we both, I knew I wanted to do samples because after hearing her album and also I had that idea that I wanted to have samples from India um, in it. Anyway, I'd heard Sham, Sham, one of Shamdas's uh, recordings mm -hmm. that I really loved that uh, John McDowell produced um, had a lot of beautiful samples from India that I loved. And so I kind of wanted to bring that into the album. And so it just happened that I could, um, I ended up going to India right before we finished the album, finished mixing it. Mm. We've done with recording and we used almost all of those recordings, which I got around the ashram and had some of the women, you know, devotees singing. 
um, that last piece is just them singing a prayer. And that was really felt like uh, a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So she really had an idea of how to weave that all in a lot, you know, and she had the idea to like, she was like, we just need ambient sounds. Cause I was thinking like all temple chanting, you know, right. She was like, no, we need some street sounds and just walk around with the recorder. <laughs> and so that, those were things I wouldn't have thought of like, and, and breaking up the tracks the way she did, I wouldn't have thought of that. Um, again, she just has like a really great way of hearing and feeling the music, um, that I, I, the album wouldn't be what it what it is without that that's awesome yeah i i always love working with a good producer and i found you know i'm, I'm a musician myself first and foremost but it was mm -hmm. really cool to see how once i started writing books working with uh editors at the publishing houses mm. it was very it was like the same thing as a producer you know just they're helping me craft right chapters right. rather than songs right. so uh, right. i'm glad that i had that background and uh, context to bring to the um, publishing experience so yeah, yeah it's nothing a great could, translation sort yeah, of yeah actually yeah, yeah. it's, it's it, it was yeah. really surreal and then it's kind of funny that you know i spent my teenage and early adult years touring in bands and in indie rock bands and now i'm back like touring for books but the only difference is uh it gets a little lonely when it's just you you know you don't have yeah your, right you don't have your bandmates right. so right. on the one hand it, there's, right. there's no bickering which is nice right. but you More also simple. don't have yeah, but you don't have those <laughs> silly, stupid things like you're talking about. Yeah. Like, sure, I can videotape myself looking like an idiot on an airplane, <laughs> but it's like, where's my buddies? Like, also being idiots. So, but yeah, it is. I've I found it's a real. It's really interesting the uh, the intersections between the two. So I feel like my musical yeah. experience really primed me to be ready to do the book thing, and uh, mm. and I'm I'm very lucky where I still get to depending on where I am bring my guitar and do music meditations or I've done mm. a two piece kirtan um, with my friend Alana Kaivalya, who I don't know if you've ever met her, but mm -mm. she lives in Queens and mm. she's uh, a lovely author with um, new world library and she teaches worldwide. And yeah, so we've played at Kripalu and, uh, but we do fun stuff too. She'll play the harmonium sings beautifully, uh, mm. but we will combine, um, you know, the classic chants with, like a U2 song or um, <laughs> yeah, like we've taken like, um, don't you forget about me and put the Sri Ram Jai Ram <laughs> chant in there. And so, you know, we're trying to oh do my something. God. Well, you know done. that they, they do that in India, right? Do you know that? No, like the cure? Okay. So you, you're in a really good tradition because, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I just no, got no, too excited. Please. This is great. <laughs> I didn't know it. We thought we were all original. So please tell me. Well, in India, I want to say, well, so like one of my, so they, they'll sing, right? Yeah. Hare Krishna, Hare Ram, but the melodies, like some, mostly they're traditional melodies they're singing, yeah. but there was one melody that I loved that I fell in love with. And then I was like at a chai stand yeah. and I hear that melody and lo and behold, it's a Bollywood song. No kidding. It's like from a Bollywood movie. And then like my friend was like, maybe it was Nina. I can't remember who I was with. She was like, oh yeah, yeah, they all do that. Wow. Like, that's the thing. Like they'll take the pop songs and just put. So you like what you did. Wow. <laughs> that's <laughs> now really have to tell great Lana that about you that. do that. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, my. So, well, yeah, it's a, good, it's a great thing to do. It's yeah. like a good tradition. Well, so it's kind of speaking about um, pop, popular music outside of just strictly kirtan. 
who um, would you say some of your other influences are musically? I mean, I know we talked about Ugh, back in the yeah. day, but and that's a big question. But are there like a handful that that come to mind um, that even today you, you enjoy that are and maybe even they didn't directly influence you, but you just find inspiration from or connect to on that heart level? Because, I mean, I still I still listen to punk rock and hardcore and metal and yeah indie hip-hop and those are still very spiritual to me because i feel that heart connection with them and to me that is the definition of spirituality um just like i feel that connection with kirtan as well but yeah are there any um you know more contemporary or even old school just anybody that really (laughs) inspires you and and you love um yeah i have many i have a long list um but uh, i'll try to shorten it a little bit um the first one is prince prince has been one of my favorite artists since I was in high school and he first like hit that when I first discovered him and he still is amazing. I still listen to Prince. I will always listen to Prince. Oh yeah. And, um, and I, and yeah, so he's a major influence. I Mm. just feel that strong, strong connection with him. Bowie is another one. Oh yeah. I just saw the Bowie exhibit at, um, the Brooklyn museum. It's amazing. It's Ah, about to end. I'm so jealous. (laughs) It's so good. You should run over there. I know. I feel Um, like I'm going to have to now. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to have to. Um, but Bowie's another strong influence in my life. Um, another, uh, Billie Holiday was a big mm, influence. Yeah. I love her still. Um, Nina Simone, yes. another great um, artist that I love and influenced me. Um, I and the ones I mentioned, and then you know, um, wow, there are so many. Um, I know it's a <laughs> big question. You know, it's hard. it's Joni Mitchell. Like oh, I go, yeah. I fly all over the place. Um, and then I also had a time where I. I I had a foray into like the world of like avant-garde sort of microtonal music. I had a boyfriend for a while that I we had a band together. His name is John Catler, and he played with he 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 played with Lamont Young and did like all this microtonal music in a different tuning system, just intonation. And so that was a whole world that re- he really influenced me, and that whole world did. Wow. Um, and 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 in fact, I ended up taking uh, lessons with the pundit. Pranath because he's Lamont Young's teacher and cool. so that was like early on Indian singing lessons with him um, and um, these days I actually listen to partly because I have young you know I have a teenager and uh, now an almost teenager yeah. um, I listen to a lot of contemporary music but one of my favorites uh, of late is Frank Ocean I think he's nice. I just think he's beautiful yeah. um and I, yeah, I like to listen to contemporary, like I like to listen to pop music. Like I'll, yeah. I, I go all over the place. I used to be a snob right back in the punk sure. days. Like you couldn't listen to, there was that, like you could, you know, I had loved disco a lot yeah. before I got into punk and then it was like, you had to renounce that, of but course. I still love disco. <laughs> yes. Like I was really grateful when it all, like I didn't have to, I could like tell the truth again about loving oh, disco. And, I will still <laughs> rock earth, wind and fire any day of the week. <laughs> Any day. I have no shame in admitting that. I hear right. you. Right. No, no. Yeah. Right. I mean, I love disco. Yeah. It was one of my earliest. Like, I love it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a little bit. Well, I, I two thumbs up, big thumbs up to every single act you just named. I mean, they are all uh, definitely in my iPod and um, I adore all of them. That's the thing. Music, you know, I, I'm very diverse and um, 
I, I'm just so grateful, you know, for all the different um, styles of music. And of course, I think being a musician also helps in that regard. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's why I love playing drums and guitar and bass. And, you know, just I find playing one instrument helps me in another. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, music is um, such a spiritual, cathartic, uh, wonderful experience. So, yeah, I always dig learning about what other people listen to both kind of in the genre that they play and then outside of that. So I really appreciate you sharing those um, wonderful, wonderful artists. And since we're just about out of time, um, I want to remind everyone that um, to visit your website, uh, ambikachant.com. And again, if you're checking this out on the Be Here Now Network, please just scroll down and you can click on it there. Uh, But aside from that, I want to give the floor to you I know we've kind of been all over the place in this conversation, which I think has been great. We've covered a lot of ground, but is there anything we didn't talk about that you would like to um, take these last few minutes and, and, and uh, talk about, share with our audience? Um, I'm guessing your events and whatnot can be found on your website, but um, you know, any, anything at all, the floor is completely yours. That's a big responsibility. I know. And if there is nothing, <laughs> you can totally say I've got nothing and that's also okay. <laughs> But, you know, well, no, since I mean, you mean, yeah, just in case there's nothing, uh, something we didn't cover that, um, you know, well, actually there was one thing I wanted to say, which was that, um, yeah. you know, in terms of Sidima, like she, something about her. So there are a lot of great stories about her connection to Ananda Maima when she was mm. young and also Maharaji, um, referring to her as the mother of the universe, like when she was very young wow. and, um, and, uh, you know, she like she came off as like, I'm just, you know, a lady, a devotee. Yeah. But she was so much more than that. Um, and there are some really great stories about her sort of divinity. And I think that that's like her embodiment of the Divine Mother, mm-hmm. um, that she really lived that. And um, and she didn't show it readily you know she 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 was a little secretive you know but that made it even more kind of um delicious Hmm. and um and the only other story i want to tell is that um because you brought it up when you said that katie said you know we're all just like we're fuck ups and that's why maharaji (laughs) had it yeah and 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 i would agree with that wholeheartedly and actually siddhima once said so there's this really great telling of the ramayana Mm. that tulsidas wrote um called the ramcharat manas and in the beginning it's an amazing book it's not an easy read though i'll come right out and say that yeah yeah (laughs) but it's an amazing book and um the beginning is all about is all about is all shiva's story is the Mm. story of shiva and parvati and there's this telling of, of like, so Parvati's in the myth, right? The Parvati's reborn. Yeah. She was his wife in the previous life, but all this stuff happened and she ended up in the fire, throwing herself in the fire, Sati. Um, and so she's reborn and um, she's doing all this like practice and tapasya uh, to, to like become Shiva's bride again. And, she does it and she wakes him out of his thousands of years of meditation. Um, and her, her father is like, you know, at, at her house, right. Her parents at her house are like welcoming the bridegroom and his wedding party and Shiva's wedding party, right. Is like ghosts and goblins and 
naked sadhus covered in ash with dreadlocks smoking you know hash and whatnot like like people you know beings without limbs and without heads and like (laughs) gore and like horror like they're just horrifying yeah and that's shiva's wedding party and like the parents are these very upright people so that first moment is like i mean it's shiva so he's a god so you got to be like okay whatever (laughs) i'm gonna put aside the way you're dressed and your appearance (laughs) but ma actually said that's who we are like Maharaji's people we're Shiva's wedding party oh wow that is absolutely yeah. beautiful I've never heard that before yeah. wow well I what I couldn't ask for a better note to end on than that so <laughs> wow well thank you again so much for your time this has been an exceptionally fun conversation I really enjoyed it um thank you I, yeah so again the the album, um, which really is absolutely beautiful. It's called Mother's yeah. Calling, available with Montrology Records. Um, I don't know their website off the top of my head. I should. Um, but if you Google it. I think it's just Montrology.com. Yeah, pro- probably, yeah. <laughs> and if you can't find it, you could Google that because they have a number it's of easy wonderful artists. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they do. And uh, and again, Ambika's um, website, just scroll down. Please check that out. A lot of great stuff there. And uh, until next time, thank you, uh, Ambika, for your your time and this conversation. It's been wonderful. Thank you, Chris. It really has been great. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNow today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BeHereNow.